Welcome to the Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome into another week in the family room. This is Craig Wiesmeyer, and I'm here with my co-hosts, John and Mari. We have an interesting conversation today, um, kind of looking at, it's called 30 Days to Your New Life, A Guide to Transforming Yourself from Head to Soul, uh, that's written by Anthony DiStefano? DiStefano. DiStefano. That's right, DiStefano. I I just said it three seconds ago, and my brain blanked. (laughs) Uh, Great author that's written a number of things, and I know Mari will get into the... um, the introduction of Anthony, but you know, what I liked about this is the fact that there are so many self-help books out there and we live in a world today that always wants us to become better by looking deeper into ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. this is the idea reveals becoming better, but by looking to the face of God, Mm -hmm. looking to Christ, which I think is awesome. I mean, that's the only way to really be transformed. What do you guys think about that? Well, two things came to mind. One on the topic that you talked about is, is people would think, well, it's unusual for, for someone to include God. But if you think of how Jesus taught, he was very direct, mm-hmm. pulled no punches, but very gentle. And the desire was not to hurt, harm, or whatever. The desire was to bring that soul to the kingdom of God, right? So it makes sense. To, and maybe we have a Catholic bias. Uh, perhaps we have a Catholic <laughs> bias. But, but, but it just makes so much sense. If I was going to explain this to someone who may not be Catholic but Christian, well, everything makes sense. Yeah. So that was, and the other thing we'll talk about later, which is like, Anthony is a prolific writer. And yeah. I don't just mean self-help writer. I mean everything from children's uh, books to, 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 the, to, the, yeah. to the work we're going to talk about today. And I really want to kind of probe around that a little bit because yeah. clearly there's some awesome motivation there. That's cool. Yeah, for me, you know, I majored in psychology and I thought I was going to be a psychiatrist when I first went off to school um, after molecular biology i kind of changed my mind but uh anyway so i i love the whole realm of counseling and helping people find their their best selves but as i got older and got more into my faith i realized that it can't be done without god so at this point if i were to go back and become a counselor i have to be a christian counselor because god is the only one who truly transforms you know we do think i mean think about just what you just said a second ago john jesus came that we might have abundant life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what he wants mm-hmm. for us. And that's what this transformation is. He wants us to have abundant life. We are called to, you know, bring the kingdom of, of heaven here. And then, um, and then also he's the one who made us. He's the one who made us. He wants the best for us. He knows what transformation means. And if I think about each of our sacraments in the Catholic church, they're all about offering us healing and yeah. hope. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to talk to Anthony about this. Right. Um, Maybe we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, be, thought. Before we bring Anthony in, though, uh, the prolific prayer that you are, John, would you oh, I'd love to, yeah, open I'd, us in prayer, I'd be, happy, I'd be happy to do that. <clears throat> in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to spend this time this morning together, and particularly together with our guest, Anthony Stefano. Father, you have given him blessings and gifts that he has in turn shared with this crazy world in which we live, and we are grateful for that. But this morning, we would just ask that while we are together, that you might pour out your Holy Spirit on Anthony, on us, 
but most importantly on our listeners. So the message that you would have for each individual person listening to this might touch their heart in a way that is changing and meaningful and healing. Father, we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, and Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So, yes, we do want to welcome Anthony into the family room. He is an author, a television host, an activist. He's written over 25 books, including books for, like John said, books for both adults, as well as books for children, which is pretty cool. The books for adults include something called A Travel Guide to Heaven and 10 Prayers God Always Says Yes To. So those both sound Mm. fascinating as well. But today we're going to be talking about his new book, 30 Days to Your New Life, A Guide to Transforming Yourself from Head to Soul. And you can find that through Sophia Press. We'll also have a link on our show notes. And you can also go to Anthony's website, which is just anthonydestefano.com. Um, dot com, which um, is pretty easy. So, Anthony, welcome into the family room. We are so glad to have you with us. Well, I am so happy to be with you here. Thank you for having me. Wow. I don't know where to begin, but typically we begin with faith journeys. Um, Anthony, and as prolific of a writer of you as you are and the in-depth uh, thought processes you have in, in your various books and in this one in particular, can you tell our listeners how your faith journey has been and you know how it started and where it is today? Well, sure, that's a big question and I wish I had more of an exciting faith journey to share, <laughs> to share with you. I know so many people I listen to um, especially writers and speakers uh, and Catholic apologists, they have these wonderful stories with big aha moments, you know, mountaintop experiences. Well, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and there were no mountains there. <laughs> uh, How about no an overpass experience? I, uh, I, I, I grew up Catholic, uh, you know, went to a baptized communion, confirmation, but we weren't really a very religious family, didn't go to church much, um, only at the beginning maybe. Um, so I, I really was drawn to the sciences, like Mari was saying. I, I, I wanted to be uh, a doctor from a very early age, uh, and, and I would have been. I would have been a doctor if it wasn't for a few little things that got in the way, uh, like uh, organic chemistry and real <laughs> exactly. calculus and, and, and girls. So girls, I, there you go, there you go. That's yes, funny. yes, yes, Italian New Yorker, how stereotypical. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> It, but but in any case, though, I did think about science. And, you know, as, as the deeper you go into sciences, the more mystical it does get. Even Albert Einstein uh, said that. So I always had this question in my mind about the beginnings of the, the, beginnings of the universe. And uh, it came to my attention fairly early on that, believe it or not, the, the, uh, the person who came up with the Big Bang Theory – uh, was a Roman Catholic priest. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Father George Lemaitre, a Belgian astronomer. So even at the beginning when I wasn't very religious, I, I saw various uh, scientists who were Catholics like Father Lemaitre and also Gregor Mendel. Gregor Mendel, right, was genetics. Who's the founder of uh, you know, the whole science of genetics, which is the basis of evolution, etc. So, so early on, I wasn't, very, I wasn't biased against the church like so many of the other people who I knew who were into science. Um, but in any case... The, the, the bottom line is that my, uh, my dream sort of fell apart about being a doctor, and I started reading some books that led me to the faith. Among them, <clears throat> C.S. Lewis's uh, The Screwtape Letters, mm-hmm. uh, awesome. which made a very, very big impression on me, and uh, G.K. Chesterton's The Everlasting Man. Uh, and, and so it was these books that made me start thinking more and more about how how, uh, you know, about the, 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 the beginnings of things and how it could tie into science. And I, and I, and I had a revelation. So there was, you know, I, I, I lied. There was an aha moment. 
uh, I was on a train from from uh, London to Manchester. I was reading the screw tape letters, <clears throat> and and I, I couldn't believe how clever it was and how 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 clear it was when it came to stating the faith and how funny it was. And I thought to myself, you know, maybe maybe uh, maybe God didn't plant that dream in me to become a doctor for nothing uh because i was always a writer too i always loved writing and reading maybe maybe what he wants from me is not to be a a a surgeon but maybe he wants me to be a healer Mm -hmm. and to heal people through books rather than surgery so that was the revelation i had and it came through reading c.s lewis and becoming so excited by him. And after that point, after that revelation, I really started reading a lot. I started meeting with some priests. I went over all the questions I had. And that's, that's, where, that, uh, that's where that went. And of course, when you read a lot of books, you want to write books. And, uh, and I'll, I'll cut this real short. I was very unsuccessful uh, for many years as a writer until I consecrated myself to Jesus through Mary using the old classic formula of St. Louis de Montfort. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, I did that my... Um, late 20s, early 30s, and since then, the books haven't stopped coming. 25 books, and I can't stop them. There's more coming next year. I I wish I could stop them. (laughs) uh, And I attribute this to Our Lady, uh, who's the mother of life, and the mother of the author of life. And so I see that direct connection between the consecration to her and being able to utilize my gifts to the fullest. That is beautiful. Yeah, that is. No, no, that was great. Because what I do love is a lot of our listeners are, what do you call, cradle Catholic. Mm-hmm. And we can look at our lives and say, I didn't have an aha moment until you reflect back and go, you know what, I guess this really is. Mm-hmm. And again, just by consecrating ourselves to God through Mary, our lives can be totally changed. So I love the way you, you put that out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I recommend it to anybody there who who's who's who hasn't been able to achieve what they've wanted to achieve. Try that. Try that. That's like in, in my in this book right here, I don't talk an awful lot about Mary, but I do compare consecration to Jesus through Mary as like the the nuclear option when it comes to fighting evil and when it comes to really radi- radically transforming your life. So if you're if you've got a listener out there who's tried everything, give that a try. And you can not only not only try the the old formula uh, by uh, St. Louis de Montfort, but the new one by Father uh, Gately is very very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, his consecration to Mary, the 40 days to morning glory, I think it's called. Yeah, I think it's 33, thir- thir- yeah, 33 30, days. Yeah, 33 days to morning glory. Yeah, That's Father, good. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Father yeah, Michael Gately. Uh huh. Yeah, and Excellent. we will put all of that in our show notes too. Yeah, those are great. Um, that's great advice. What I also love about your story is, you know, God plants things in our hearts. And whether we realize it was him who was planting them or not, if we start to ask him or just be open to hearing from him, you know, to, you, to your point, you thought you were going to be a surgeon. You know, I thought I was going to be a psychiatrist. Um, but God God does that. He says, OK, here's the here's the seed. Here's the desire. Now I'm going to take all the other gifts and and experiences and um, he's going to help you glorify him um, if you're just obedient to following after. And then it's so joyful. Like you said, you can't even stop now. <laughs> it's pretty you know, cool. It's, and what, you, what you're saying is uh, people don't understand this because they have dreams and uh, they don't fulfill their dreams. You have to realize your dream is not necessarily your destiny. Yes. Okay. There's a very different thing. Uh, 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 your destiny is God's dream for you. Mm-hmm. It's God's objective. It's God's goal for you. 
Okay, God gives us clues. He gives us hints. He doesn't hang out a sign and say, Anthony, I want you to be a writer, you know, uh, or I want you. He doesn't usually do that. Sometimes he does, and those people are very fortunate. But he gives us clues, and the reason why he gives us clues, it's just like in the gospel when, when Andrew and, and uh, uh, I forget the other the disciple who, who they first discovered Jesus, and they ask him where he lives. And being Jesus, being God, he doesn't give them a straight answer. He says, come follow me. Follow and see. Come and see, he says. He does the same thing with us. He gives us hints and clues. And the reason is he wants us through prayer to enter into his, his life more and grow in union. That's the best way for us to grow in union. And as we go grow closer to God, then he makes it clear. It makes it clearer and clearer what our destiny is. So without the prayer, you can wind up you know, wandering around for a long time, uh, whether, whether or not you have a bunch of goals that, uh, that you have. Yeah. So, you know, you said that you were not very successful at the beginning when you first started writing. Once you consecrated yourself to Jesus through Mary, was did something change in the type of book you were writing or the themes of the book you were writing or what, what happened? Uh, no, just success. Oh, wow. <laughs> there was no... Uh, it's it, it, it just that I had, you know, I'm, I'm being a little facetious. I had tried every kind of writing. I wrote for newspapers. I wrote for political campaigns. I was, I wrote, his, I ghost wrote history books. I did everything. Wow. After I read C.S. Lewis, G.K. Chesterton, I thought I would shift towards writing uh, religious books for them. For, to, uh, I, I wanted to take complex uh, sublime kinds of theological uh, ideas and concepts and try to make them as simple as possible without, without compromising uh, them, without you know, watering them down, because it's very easy to make something simple if you compromise the orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. It's quite another thing to try to make something simple and understandable and keep the orthodoxy, and that's what my goal was. Mm-hmm. But I had not been successful at selling anything that I wrote. After I consecrated myself, to Jesus through Mary, I started finding a lot of success. I got an agent right away. The agent, you know, I wrote, I had written a book called A Travel Guide to Heaven, Mm -hmm. very quirky Mm -hmm. type of titles, all about what heaven's going to be like and how one day it's going to be after the resurrection, physical as well as spiritual. So Mm -hmm. many religious people have this overly spiritual idea of heaven, you know, clouds and wispy angels. Mm -hmm. They don't realize that after the resurrection, there's going to be a physical component. When you see your mother again, some, you know, someday, you're going to be able to run up to her and hug her and kiss her and feel the warmth of her skin and hear her voice again. Mm-hmm. So this book was all about how heaven was going to be colorful and more colors than we even have on earth, et cetera, et cetera. But nobody wanted to buy the book. Everybody rejected it, 100 rejection letters, uh, until I got this agent uh, who unfortunately just passed away last year. Mm-hmm. And then within a few weeks, I was like the proverbial girl who everybody wanted to take to the prom. <laughs> Every single publishing house in New York was bidding for this book. And uh, that started it. So I, I, I just, it just was uh, sort of immediate success. Um, that's the honest truth. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So folks, if you're just joining us, you're in the family room. And in the family room with us is Anthony DiStefano, uh, author, television host, and pretty insightful character, to use a technical <laughs> term. Anthony, we have a lot of questions about the book, 30 Days to Your New Life. But listening to all the different things you've talked about and kind of what your motivation was, is there a theme? And if so, what is it that carries through from whether it's a children's book or whether it's a true self-help book uh, founded on you know biblical and, and Catholic principles? Well, this, the, what I've expressed in this book 30 Days to Your New Life, it does sort of sum up all mm. of the things that I've done in the other books, mm. which is namely that um, 
is that we do have the power to accomplish anything or, or, or many things that we think are impossible. As long as we plug into the power source of the universe, which is God, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, there's too much uh, reliance on self-help nowadays, not enough on God's help. Mm-hmm. So I think you see this, uh, this strand running through all my work, that if you plug yourself into this power source of the universe, then you can uh, transform your life, do miraculous things, etc. Uh, but but, but the, other, the other theme, even in my children's books, um, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an empathetic kind of a person. I'm very uh, aware of the suffering out there. That doesn't make you a better person necessarily because you're empathetic, but, but you do sort of feel a lot of the suffering out there. And, and I've, I've always wanted – I've always had a, um, a desire to console as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. We have the most consoling faith mm-hmm. in the universe. And even if the people who have have experienced terrible, horrible, ter- really horrific suffering, um, the Catholic faith, the Christian faith, uh, offers offers uh, help. And 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 I've always had it in my mind this example of Jesus Christ Himself. You know what was the, what was the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the world? What's the worst evil that ever happened in the history of the world? It, it, it's not a, a homicide. It, it wasn't even genocide. The worst thing that ever happened was deicide, the murder mm. of God, God. Mm. Jesus Christ, by his own creatures. That's the worst thing that could ever happen, right? When the crucifixion was, was not just one bad thing, it was the worst thing. Well, three days later, um, what happened? Jesus rose from the dead in the resurrection. But the resurrection wasn't just a good thing. It wasn't just you know, the raising of one person. It, it was the opening of the gates of heaven. It, for everyone. Now all of us can go to heaven. Now all of us can have meaning in our life and purpose. So it wasn't just a good thing. It was the greatest thing. So I, I, I always have been aware that God was able to take the worst thing in the world mm-hmm. and out of the worst thing in the world, three days later, pull out the best thing in the mm-hmm. world. And, and it made me realize that if God could do that, then he, can, then he, could, do, then he could certainly transform and he could take all the bad things and, and irritating things and even horrifically tragic things that happen in our lives and turn them into something good. If not in this uh, life, then in the next life. And so that strand, that strand has also gone through, I think, all my books, including my children's books, uh, yeah, which, 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 which do concern on some levels uh, death and resurrection mm. in, in some of my children's books, but not in a scary way. Mm. And you talk about being in a healing um, position, right? And I think that's, you know, so many of us in today's world, we focus on physical healing and all the pills we can take, all the injections we can take, and far fewer have focused on the emotional and spiritual healing of people, which Mm -hmm. I think is far more necessary today than ever, right? And I think what you said is, you know, the, the tough part is to sit back and recognize that, um, God allows suffering for our good. You know, God is so good he would never do that, which is the lie, right? Just asking the, the, the three of us and, and you, Anthony, where have you experienced God's goodness in the midst of that suffering or in the midst of that challenge? Well, you know, uh, I, you know. I think God knew very early that he was gonna that I was going to be an author. Obviously, he knew from all eternity that I was going to be a writer <laughs> of books. He knows everything from the, from 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 all eternity. 
And, uh, you know, the best thing about being a writer, honestly, is not seeing your name in print. The best thing about being a writer is that, um, especially with the kind of books that I write, nonfiction books, uh, or fiction books for that matter, everything that happens in your life is fodder for the writing. Every experience (laughs) you have, no matter how tedious, no matter how irritating, no matter how painful, no matter how joyful, anything can be used, recycled, uh, and put in your writing some way, in some way help other people. So in knowing this, I, I think God has uh, put, put me on a roller coaster from the very beginning <laughs> and given me uh, all of life's varied experiences. I've had a lot of um, people in my life die on me. A lot of, a lot of uh, the Book of Travel Guide to Heaven was born out of one year when I had to go to something like 17 funerals. Oh, a lot geez. of people die. Wow. Uh, people, a, lot, a lot of people I've loved and lost. I've had a lot of financial successes. I've had a lot of financial failures. I've had... You know, I've I've been up and down a lot, uh, as that song says. That's life, um, and and I and I and I think that I've I've one of the best things that God has done is been able to give me the power to to take all of these experiences and put them into my books, mm-hmm. so that I haven't felt like they were wasted at all. And and this book, indeed, uh, Thirty Days to Your New Life, is the book that I would say is most like that because I've taken everything that I've that I've learned, all the main lessons, and put it into one book. And I, as I told my wife, you know, just the other day, I'm I'm so ha- I'm so happy about this book, even if nobody bought this book. I'm I'm just so happy <laughs> to be able to give somebody, uh, you know, a, a relative or a, a young person in my life, give somebody a book and say, here, this is this is the sum total of everything I've learned in my life. It's such, imagine if you had the power to give someone a, a book or something and say, this is this is really the, 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 the basics of what I've learned throughout my life. All the rough and tumble things I've been through and roller coaster ride I've been on, this is this is what I've learned. So that that idea of being able to to use what I've what I've uh, gone through and uh, not that I've gone through more than anybody else, just that I've I've been able to to use it to help people and that gives me a feeling of great satisfaction. Awesome. So mm-hmm. you you reminded Mara, you you said it in one of our earlier interviews that God wastes nothing. Right. And um, I heard Father John Ricardo say this, and and it might have been his own thought, or he may have taken it from somewhere, but he said, the devil always acts first, Hmm. and God has a plan, Hmm. right? And so all of these things, your your roller coasters, Anthony, the fact that you were able to capture all those things, it feels like God is, so the devil acted, or evil or difficulty was there first, and then there's this response. And so you've captured it for yeah. us. So thank you for that. Yeah. And I love the idea that you put forth about it helped you become even more instrumental in, in, in offering healing and hope and empathy to other people. I remember, um, you know, when I was young, in my mid twenties, I had something happen that was at the time very catastrophic for me. And I remember at the, I remember even in the midst of it thinking, oh my gosh, I can empathize with so many more people now. And I can, I can really, um, you know, offer encouragement or just a listening ear or a shoulder to cry on to so many more people now because I understand more about what people are going through. So God is always leading us, right, to community and to other people. We're here to to get each other home together. We're here to um, be be Christ to each other. And that's what I'm hearing you say in the way that God uses your gifts, Anthony. 
Yeah, yes, and, and I don't mean to say also that you have to be a writer to be able to use your suffering. Of course not. Mm-hmm. We, in the Catholic Church especially, we have a very profound understanding of redemptive suffering. It's something mm-hmm. that our brother and sister Protestants don't quite have as much as we do. We understand that we can offer up our suffering, any suffering you're going through, even if you're stuck in a traffic jam, for goodness sake, you could offer that up and you could help somebody who's in China, you know, uh, having a problem with, uh, with, with, with giving birth to someone. Uh, our God is amazing and he allows us to attach our sufferings to the cross. And therefore, those sufferings now are raised to a divine level and can be used to help our brother and sisters uh, in this world. So you don't just have to use it writing. It, it just can be offered up to God and he can use the suffering. That's yeah. why it's such a pity, the pity and the shame and tragedy of wasted suffering in this world, people who don't offer up the suffering. Now, and thanks for bringing that up, because I think, you know, it's easy to say we in the church believe this, but frankly, many of us in the church don't believe that, because we've bought off on the lie that life's supposed to be easy, and, you know, if God were loving, blah, blah, blah. And I do think, thank you very much for that, that I think anything we go through, whether it's hunger, whether it's, you know, traffic, whatever, God will use if we want to offer it up for somebody. So, you know, listeners, if you've got somebody in your life that you are really praying for, understand that any suffering that happens in your life, God will use to bless that person and you along the way. So uh, really insightful, Anthony. Thank you. You know, let's make it real practical for a second, because I am thinking about those people who might be listening and who you hear. practicality. Well, and hear us and hear us say, offer it up. Well, what does that look like? What does it sound like? It's real simple, right? Like, what what would you say? I, I just say, God, I'm 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 really g- going through some pain right now, but I but please take this pain I'm going through and use it for somebody else who needs it. Mm-hmm. I'm an adult, and it means trying your best not to if you not not to complain about it. Mm-hmm. In other words, trying to take it as gracefully as you can. Uh, don't start cursing like crazy. <laughs> no, I mean I'm in New York again, another stereotype. <laughs> hey, how about just don't honk your horn? Obscenities. <laughs> try to try to say, okay, in this case. And with the suffering I'm going through, all every bone in my body feels like complaining, crying, venting, cursing, yelling at the person next to me or anything like that. I'm going to try not to do that, God. Instead, I'm going to try to take this pain, give it to you, and let you use it for someone else. Mm-hmm. And that's the way. That's the way. Now, it doesn't, you don't have to uh, be perfect like that. If, if, you, if you just lift your, your head up and say, I offer this up to God, he'll use it. He'll use it. Maybe not as perfectly as if you acted perfect, more perfectly, but he'll use it. One of the things I love about what you just said is you can just offer it up generally and let God decide who needs it right then. Um, or you can actually also offer it specifically if you know somebody who's struggling or having a hard time offering your suffering for somebody who has cancer or is going through chemotherapy or has just gone through a really difficult um, death in the family or anything. You can be specific with it as well. Folks, stay with us through the break. We're here with Anthony Stefano, and, and when we come back, we've spoken so much kind of thematically and conceptually. We'd really love to dig in, Anthony, on the book itself. And just we're not going to get through 30 days in 30 minutes, but there's some really key principles that we would love to dig out. So stay with us, folks. You're in the family room, and we're going to be right back with Anthony DeStefano. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on the Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. 
Healthcare providers should care about health, right? Why then has Planned Parenthood's actual women's healthcare services dropped over 72% in the last 10 years? Abortion is not healthcare. Abortion kills. Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in the United States with 700 abortion facilities. And in the 2019 fiscal year, they ended 345,672 innocent American lives. This is an increase of 13,000 in the last year and 25,000 over the last two years. To put that in context, that is about half the population of Washington, D.C. Why then does the United States government continue to send the millions of taxpayer dollars in funding and grants year after year? If we don't stop them, no one will. Let's love God by loving life. Show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at infothequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. We're back in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. Right here on AM 1160, The Quest. We are here today with Anthony Stefano, and he has written an amazing new book called 30 Days to Your New Life, A Guide to Transforming Yourself from Head to Soul. One person described it as Tony Robbins meets Thomas Aquinas, which I think <laughs> is a great teaser. Um, so we're going to spend this this section um, of our time together with Anthony talking more in depth about his book. Um, but Anthony, we do have a tradition here in the family room because we are in the family room. We always ask everybody to tell us your favorite family room memories. So do you have one you can share with us? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Uh, you know, I grew up in, like I said, in a, a, a traditional type of Italian home. There were uh, three brothers and one sister, so there was five of us, seven of us, living in a little three-room apartment in Brooklyn, and uh, very close, very close to the whole extended family. Um, gee, a uh, great memory. I, you know, one Christmas stands out in my mind. You know, like I said, we weren't very religious. Uh, we we uh, and 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 so we all believed in Santa Claus, but I was the oldest son, and you know in the mm. Italian household, still the oldest 
has certain privileges, you know. And my, my first privilege, one of my first privileges, was my father and mother told me that, you know, there was no such thing as Santa Claus. But I, couldn't <laughs> tell, I couldn't tell my brothers and my sisters, but I got to have a year or so where I was the only one who knew that, that he didn't exist. At the time, I loved uh, I wanted to be a doctor, but I also wanted to be a paleontologist. I loved dinosaurs way before Jurassic Park came out. Loved them. And so I asked my father, now knowing there was no Santa Claus, I asked him, can you get me anything anything to do with dinosaurs? Anything at all. And um, he he just kept telling me there was nothing. I'm sorry. He kept apologizing to me. There was absolutely nothing he could find in the stores. Nothing whatsoever. Christmas morning comes, and that's when we opened our presents, and all the kids opened their presents from Santa, and I went, and I'm, you know, expecting to have to be stoical, not having anything that I liked, and there must have been a hundred dinosaur presents there uh. under the tree. He had told me a white lie, uh, <laughs> but I had had this, so it was a kind of important because I had this uh, honor of being in the know that, that, that my parents were the ones who had given us the presents, and at the same time, he had... He had given me my heart's desire at the time, which was to get all of these dinosaur things and encourage me in my passion. And, I, and one of the reasons why I say this is important memories, I've always been a very passionate person. Um, I've gone through many, many phases in my life where I was you know, really obsessed with this and really obsessed with that and really obsessed with this author or that author. And one of the reasons I wrote this book, as a matter of fact, how do I neatly tie that into my book? Is that <laughs> we I love the segue, thank you. Go through phases. Yes, good transition. A lot of people go through phases, and they get sick and tired of going through phases. And I wrote this book because I want to give people some tools so that when they do something, good, good or bad, it just, it, especially when it's something good, that it doesn't just have to be a phase. It could be something that lasts and is permanent and that you could you know, pick yourself back up again when life hands you setbacks and hits you with a two-by-four. And, and so I, I wanted to, to help people get out of this whole thing of, of living through phases. Mm. That seems very concise and organized. But there's a lot in this book. People would feel overwhelmed, I think, just saying, okay, there's, I've got to do this thing or extract these thoughts that seem to come so easily to Anthony Stefano, but with which I have struggled these many years. Can you give us just a few things that someone can do immediately or some of the concepts that you've incorporated into this book that people can walk away with? We're not going to say, hey, do six of the 30 days and poof, you'll get one sixth of whatever. Can you kind of digest that a little bit for us? Sure. I mean, well, it's a 30-day program and it's a 30-day program, one chapter per day, purposely because I want people to have this in small bites. You, you know, people amass all their problems. Uh, they don't, it, it doesn't take people you know, one day to amass all their problems. They're mm -hmm. not going to solve all their problems in one day. So I wanted it to be a 30-day program. So we could, what we could do is harness one of the principles I talk about in the book, and that's the power of momentum. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling overwhelmed by problems, you don't have to binge trying to solve them all. People get overwhelmed by their problems, and it paralyzes them. And they don't take action until the pressure builds so much that it's about to explode, and that's a terrible way to live. Instead, if you take small actions consistently in every area, whether it's your finances or your family, your relationships, or your health, that's when you're going to have success. You, you, we know this is true. The first trip to the gym is the hardest. The second trip's a little bit easier. The third trip's easier still. By the fourth trip, you're raring to go. Even if it's a blizzard outside, you wanted to go to the gym. So you always pick up speed. You've got to harness this power of momentum. You know, the Bible says if you're faithful in little things, then you'll be able to rule over big things. 
And, and you have to remember, when God saved the world, what did he do? He started small, too, as a little baby in a humble stable. So shouldn't we use that same approach that, that, that God used? So that's one of the principles in this book. Start small. Slow and steady wins the race. Harness the power of momentum. Another thing I would say is you've got to start putting God first. And I mean that in a very practical, literal way. The first thing in the, in the morning, when, you, when you're coming out of dreamland, you know, instead of letting your first thought be about your Instagram post and how many likes it got <laughs> or uh, that stressful meeting that you've got coming up or that bill that you've got to pay. Instead, let your first thought be directed towards God. Offer up a quick prayer. Just thank, say, thank God, thank you for giving me another morning. If you have time, say in Our Father. If you have even more time, then we have in the Catholic Church a beautiful thing called the morning offering. You can keep it on your smartphone, put it near your bedside. Just let the first thing in the, in, in the morning be devoted to God. Put God first, and God's going to start putting you first. Very easy, very easy. Third thing I would say is you've got to move a little. You know, motion and emotion are connected. People who live sedentary lives are unhappy. You know, and there's a mind-body-spirit connection. You know, fear and sorrow, depression, they're all related to the body. So you've got to be moving, you know, 15, 30, 60 minutes a day, three to four times a week. That does more than get your heart rate up. You know, it, it releases endorphins. It, you know, just shaking out your body sometime and taking a brisk walk can change your whole state. Uh, it's like taking off dark glasses and suddenly seeing, you know, color and sunshine. It's invigorating. And, you, and sometimes people are overly spiritual, forget that there's a physiological component. You've got to get moving. Sometimes that's the biggest problem is you're just leading a sedentary life. Fourth thing it would be you've got to start cleaning up the messes in your life. God is a God of order. From the very beginning of the Bible to the very end, we see him separating light from darkness, water from the land. We have to imitate God. We're called to imitate God. So no matter how big your problems, even if they're overwhelming, you could start simply by you know, making your bed in the morning, by dressing neatly. Don't have to dress fancy. Dress neatly, no matter how depressed you are. Clean your desk. Clean your computer screen. Little by little, slowly and steadily, you know, then your head's going to be... Uh, able to clear, and you'll be able to uh, deal with the bigger problems in your life. And the final thing I would say quickly, if I had a, you know, you, you asked me to give a couple of quick points. God is love, right? We all heard that said, mm -hmm. God is love. Well, you, you have to tap into the power of the universe, and that's love. And love is sacrificial, doing what's best for the other person. So if you've got a lot of problems right now in your life, it may seem counterintuitive or paradoxical, but try to find somebody out there who's got worse problems than you. And try to help them. Even though you, don't, you think you don't have the time and, you're, and the sky is falling, try to find somebody who's got worse problems than you and, and try to make them feel better. Do something for them, again, and you're going to find that God sends his angels or the Holy Spirit to help you with your problems in a more powerful way. So those are just a few, you know, quick off the top of my head. That's awesome. Yeah, so Anthony, you said that this book is a compilation of a lot of things you learned in your life. So I'm, I'm thinking that you started to implement each of these, that there were times that, you know, you were in a place that was difficult and you went out and started being self-sacrificing and finding somebody else to help. Um, do you have any thoughts or stories about any of the times you've implemented any of these for yourself? You know, I... I... You know, I, if you start talking about times that you've been uh, self-sacrificial and all of that, you try, you wind up coming off like you're trying to paint yourself as a saint. And I think that your We're turning you into Saint Anthony. Can just tell from my tone of voice that I'm not a saint. Uh, <laughs> so I don't have any really good stories to tell you about that. I will, I will tell you though. I will tell you 
another couple, few principles, though, that I that and since because I know we don't have a lot of time, but uh, a couple of principles that I've used in my life, and I know that successful people have used in their lives, and if and if any of your listeners are having some problems, here's some guiding principles, if if you don't mind. Just uh, the three guiding principles. Uh, the first thing is this. And it's tied to what we said before about love, you know, and, and finding somebody who's, who's worse off than you. In every situation you find yourself in, whether it's work or in your family or in a friendship or in a business or even in, uh, in a conversation or an interview for that matter, insofar as it's possible, always try to be the one who, who adds the most value, to use that hackneyed mm-hmm. phrase. You know, remember, Christ said that anyone who wants to be first must be last and servant of all. And he knew what he was talking about. Okay, so always try to be the one who gives the most. Always try to be the one who contributes the most. Always try to be the one who loves the most. If you do that, then the people around you, even the ones who are jealous, they are going to help guide you to the next uh, level. Okay? Uh, Zig Ziglar, who is a personal development guy, he said that if you help enough people get what they want, then you can have everything you want. And I believe that in most cases that's true. Now, the second principle flows from that. If you're going to be the person who gives the most, then you have to have, then you have to be the person who has the most, who has the most. There's an old Latin expression, nemo dot quad non abet, which means you can't give what you don't have. Therefore, you, you have to always be trying to grow, to increase your knowledge about different subjects, to discipline yourself, to control your emotions, etc. Like a great chef, you always have to be sharpening your knives. The bottom line is, and I say this in the book, don't waste so much of your money on things. You probably have too many things already. Instead, spend your money on ways to improve yourself so that you can then be better assist others and become the person who gives the most. And the third and final principle that I would think is a guiding principle for achieving all your goals is this. I could tell you that if you're praying to God constantly for, the, for his guidance, then that same God is going to inspire you with the best uh, possible action steps to achieve all your goals. You know, remember, God made the universe and everything in it. So when you're in union with him, you're in union with the source of all creative power. You're, you're actually tapping into creative dis- uh, genius. And he'll help you, you know, balance those other two things I just talked about. You know, how to give the most, what to learn the most about. You've got to be praying all the time. And that includes going to Mass. We've, in the Catholic Church, we have got the, this gift of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Going to Eucharistic adoration, praying the rosary. You do those three things, and you believe me, you're going to be okay. Your life is going to change. <laughs> well, family room family, uh, if you've been listening, you're getting really practical advice on how to improve your lives from Anthony Stefano. I'm going to screw that up a hundred times. Stefano, it's really easy, Anthony, and I keep screwing it up. I'm one of those mental blocks. But you know, in his 30 days to your new life, I think that's uh, it's an awesome reminder that you know we have opportunity to get better despite our circumstances so thank you for uh, your practical wisdom and advice well i appreciate it i appreciate being here and getting the chance to the the honor really to 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 speak these uh, what i consider truths because you know you know i'll say one other thing too and it goes back to the whole point of this book personal i've been a big um <clears throat> A proponent of the self-help industry. I've taken a lot of self-help programs over my over the course of my life, but I've found that the results are temporary most of the time. Mm-hmm. And when life comes along and really hits you with a two-by-four, all those self-help programs break down because they focus too much on self, 
and not enough on God. That's the big trap of the self-help industry. You can develop all these self-help principles and become very successful, get a lot of money, and then end up being miserable. You know, just look at all these Hollywood movie stars who spin out of control with drugs mm-hmm. and kill themselves. You know, mm-hmm. if you've got your priorities screwed up, then uh, you're never going to be at peace no matter, how, no matter how much success you experience. Yeah. And one thing I found interesting, too, in all this is, you know, in a business world, you know, and in life, everybody talks about setting goals, right? Mm-hmm. Have your mm-hmm. six-month, one-year, five-year, whatever. And I realize everybody's experiences are very different. But every time I've put my plan together and set my goals, nothing has ever happened that I set my goals to Mm -hmm. until I finally was like, you know, Lord, you're in charge of this. I still got to work, but I'm not going to put strict goals in place, which is very counter to every business book you'll ever read. But it was like, Lord, lead me to where my goals need to be. And I don't know if that's good advice for everybody, but... (laughs) Well, I think I think that it's it's partially good advice. I think that, like you said, you, if you're praying to God, God lead me to my destiny, then He's going to be like a GPS. You know, God is going to like a, the, the divine GPS. He's not going to tell you where you're going to wind up going, but He will tell you uh, make a right here, make a left here, make a U-turn here, recalculating he route to your destiny. Uh, yeah. But goal setting is important. I don't I don't downplay goal setting. I talk about it in this book because how in the world can you hit a target if you don't have a bullseye? Mm-hmm. You right. know, and goals give you a bullseye to, to shoot for. And I do think that uh, the self-help industry gets it right here. I think that you have to have goals that inspire you, goals that are big enough and exciting enough to pull you into the future because you've got so many obstacles that are going to stand in your way. And a lot of times when people set their goals, they're very lame, the goals. You know, you say, oh, I want to lose 15 pounds. Well, that's not very. That's not a very good goal to inspire you to get through. Uh, you know that temp- that tempting experience of seeing that big piece of cake in front of you tonight. But if the goal is instead, you know, I want to be alive long enough to see my grandchildren um, grow up, or something like that. I want to see my grandchild, you know, graduate college. If your goal is that kind of goal, and it inspires you more, then maybe it'll give you more, you know, uh, oomph to get over those obstacles that are and temptations that are put in your way. Yeah, yeah, have your why. Um, you know, I, I think that's really good to have that practical. You guys are teasing me, but I am very practical too. <laughs> um, to have that, that practical thought. You know, I used to do this exercise with people in goal-setting classes, and I would draw, like you just said, Anthony, I would draw a big uh, bullseye on a board and then I'd say, okay, who thinks they can hit this bullseye with a, you know, wadded up piece of paper or whatever? They're like, oh, yeah, I could hit that. I say, okay, come on up here. And then I'd blindfold them and spin them oh. around and then say, okay, now hit it. <laughs> and nobody could ever hit it. And I'm like, if you can't see it, you're never going to be able to hit it. You know, you were in HR? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, well, nobody terrific. ever fell over. There was no work comp claims that happened. <laughs> it's okay. But um, yeah, I, I, do, I had a friend who um, was on bed rest. She was expecting a child and she was on bed rest and she was having a really hard time staying still. And she hung a little onesie at the foot of her bed so she could see the little onesie mm. and have this vision that she was going to have this healthy, fully formed baby if she could just stay still and stay on bed rest. Yeah. We talked about it this morning. Victor Frankel, who has a why, can endure anyhow. So clearly, yeah. Anthony, you have, as you said, I've been into all those things because it's coming out. The other thing, Craig, something does. Every time I make a list of my own goals, and I'm sure it's for yours, there is one outcome every single time. God laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> um, but but I think what you're sharing with us, Anthony, is like, 
is clear all through Scripture um, and, and in lives. No one encounters Jesus and comes away unchanged, right? The reason Jesus' name is so powerful is is precisely that, right? So thank yeah. you for that kind of guidance. And and get and and yes, and if you write down your goals, you will find in in a few years that you that you that you have not accomplished those goals. You've accomplished different goals. Uh, and yet, though, the writing down of those goals and the trying to achieve those goals has helped you in ways that you would have, you would have never been able to achieve the things that you, that you wound up achieving. Again, it has to do with your dream versus your destiny. Mm-hmm. God helps those who help themselves. So in the act of trying to actualize your potential, your God-given potential, in that act of doing that, which God approves of and wants you to do, he will then give you more grace and lead you to where he wants you to be. But he's not going to do that. If you sit down and don't do anything, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. he'll let you stagnate there. And that's what happens to people. They stagnate and they're very unhappy and miserable and confused. You know, G.K. Chesterton said that it's not that the Christian ideal has been, found, has been tried and found wanting. He said it's that it's been found difficult and left untried. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's what we have many times in our Catholic faith. We have a lot of Catholics out there whining and moaning and complaining about how terrible their life is. And meanwhile, they haven't used any of the tools that the Church has given us, whether mm-hmm. it's the rosary or novenas or the Blessed Sacrament and the Eucharist and Eucharistic Adoration or frequent confession or personal development tools that are given to us by, you know, people like Tony Robbins say, uh, you know, we're not trying enough. And that's why a lot of times we, you know, we are to blame in part. Well, I'll take us all the way back to how you, or one of the points you made in starting out um, with, with Andrew and the apostles, Jesus didn't say, come on, let me show you where I hang out. Mm -hmm. He said, come follow me. Yeah. So there's, he's not setting. He's, he's moving. Right. So Anthony, you have given us, you've given us um, three guiding principles, which I wrote everyone down. You gave us about five different other things that we can make sure that we're doing um, to get started on this. Um, You may have already shared some of this, but you mentioned also that you, in your book, you wrote about three things that are most important when it came to taking action. Those are the three things right there. Okay. Those, those are the those okay, things we got that I talked about. Perfect. And, to, and to repeat them again, be the person who gives the most in every situation as far as it's possible. In order to do that, improve yourself so you have the most to give. And the third thing is you have to include God in that equation and be pray, constantly praying to his guidance. Because, you know, it's easy to say, uh, be the person who gives the most, okay? And then, but what if you're a, a wife and you're like, well, should I give the most to my job here or should I give the most to my uh, you know, my husband here, and that, you know, there are conflicts between states and life. And so to, to say be the person that gives the most is a very, very important uh, rule. But how are you going to know how to do the balance between all the different things that are pulling at you? And that's where, and, and, and likewise with the second principle of improving yourself, how are you going to know, you know, what language do I learn? What book do I read? There's a million books that are published. Which book? Why should I read 30 Days to Your New Life instead of some other book? That's where the third principle comes in. If you're praying to God every day to give you guidance, then he's going to help you balance all those different conflicts that you have, and you'll be able to live all three of those. That's perfect, and thank you for that recap. That's really helpful. Um, And it's helpful, too, to make it uh, real for us because you're right. We are – we we want we go in a lot of directions and then we have a lot of questions around that. But if you if you sink into asking God for guidance and letting His Holy Spirit nudge you, um, you're going to go the right way. Yeah, I think we're getting close to winding down here. But I did have a question on you know, and John, you're our music expert. 
But, you know, there's a song out there with the lyrics to say, all you need is love. And we live in a world today that that's all it talks about, right? Whether it's, you know, um, same-sex marriage, whether it's all these things, it's all about love. Um, and love's going to bring us happiness. But, uh, Anthony, you tend to disagree with that a little bit, I think. Why do you, no, I, why I, do you think I, so many people are unhappy today? I, I agree with it 100%. I just think people have the definition of, ro- of love screwed up. That, <clears> that's the problem. You know, uh, love, I would think, is the most abused, confused, misused, and overused word in the whole English language. Love is not just mushy, mushy, romantic feelings of infatuation. That's just one tiny part of love. There's only one true definition of love. Love means sacrifice. Love means self-giving. Love means what's doing the best be doing best for the other person, not yourself. Like, like Christ taught us the night before he died, this is my body given up for you. That's the meaning of life. And John 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, all right, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's what love is. So if you practice true love, then it really does have the power to lead you to peace and happiness. And the reason is that God is love. So if you love the way God loves, in other words, if you give every bit of yourself to others, then what you're doing is you're plugging yourself into the very substance of God, into the very power source of the universe, and that's going to have a transformational effect on your whole life. And given times, in most cases, if you're doing it at work, it will transform your work environment. If you're doing it at home, it will transform your home environment. Okay, and, uh, you know, and so, so that's why the greatest symbol of love in the world is not the wedding ring or, or the heart, but the cross. Mm-hmm. When you imitate Christ, he is going to start performing miracles in your life, and he will, as the Bible said, he'll give you a peace and a joy that, that transcends understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Mic drop. Yeah. Boom. Perfect. <laughs> yep. And his, and his burden's light, too, so don't be afraid of it, because he's told us that if we yoke himself to him, us, ourselves to him, that our burden will be light. Um, yeah. He'll make it feel light. It, uh, uh, to other people, it might look very, very heavy indeed, and it might be heavy, objectively speaking, but he'll give us the grace to, uh, he'll either shield us from suffering, or he'll give us the grace to get through the suffering and make it feel lighter than it actually is. That is perfect. Well, Anthony, we have loved having you with us today. It, it has been wonderful. And listeners, please go out and um, order Anthony's new book, 30 Days to Your New Life, A Guide to Transforming Yourself from Head to Soul, put out by Sophia Press. You can also go to Anthony com, his website, and it will also have a link in our show notes. Anthony, would you close us out with a prayer? Sure, sure. I, I would love to pray the Memorare since we started talking about our, our Blessed Lady of our Virgin Mary. Let's let's give let's say the Memorare uh, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Holy Spirit. Remember, O Most Gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to Thy protection, implored Thy help, or sought Thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto Thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my Mother. To Thee do I come before Thee. I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. 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 Anthony, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Thank you. It's been great, great conversation. Thank you guys for having me. And thank you, dear listeners, for being with us here today in the family room. Please join us again next week here where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. 
Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room. Sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com. 